It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Conveniently located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan. The Janka family are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since 2000. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. It's time for the three-point podcast episode 165 coming to you on Locker Room. Our lineup includes Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, the Corona Public Schools, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and our normal studio home, Z92.5 The Castle. I'm Ted Patel of The Castle with the SPN's Matt Burns and Jared Patel of Bally Sports Detroit. Thanks for the listens and the follows at Three Point Pod. Well, fellas, uh, we normally at the beginning of the show catch up on what we've been up to and Hope you don't mind, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start off. Is that all right? You're traveling the world, right? Traveling around the country. I am traveling all over the place, and I'll give you a bit of a a small thumbnail sketch of what I've been up to. Uh, it's a trip from Michigan, uh, a road trip I took with my wife. I'm still on the trip actually, and started off uh, driving through Nashville. Uh, we were on our way to Memphis. We wanted to see what Beale Street was all about, and happened to come across Shiloh, the battlefield. And, uh, you know, learned a little thing history-wise. I know, Jared, your dad's big into history, and I don't know if you guys are in the Civil War, but we found out that uh, really the Battle of Shiloh, the Union basically won the war there, ending the Confederates' hopes of blocking the Union advance into Mississippi. And get this, twenty over 23,000 casualties, 13,000 by the Union alone, but they won that battle, and it was Grant against Johnson, and Johnson was the general, the Confederate general, and he was killed. He bled out from a leg wound. So that's that's phase one of our trip. It gets Wait. better, though. Believe me. Wait. Okay. I was going to say, hopefully it gets better because this sounds more of like a uh, field trip. Than a, like... <laughs> <laughs> other than, other than the school bus. 
<laughs> I was I was gonna say my parents my parents actually just did a, a similar trip. They came down to North Carolina to see us, and then they went down through Georgia, like Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, like a similar trip. And all the updates that I got from them was, you know, about the scenery and all that. But it was like a history lesson every time. It was like, we went and saw this battlefield and we went and saw this. It's super cool. But, you know, you don't think about that a lot. A ton of history and stuff in the South. It is pretty cool to see. Well, let's see if I can uh, pique your interest a little bit more, Jared. Go ahead. What was you going to say? Well, it's just what cracks me up is whenever you think of like, oh, we're going to go visit a battlefield. The first thing I think of is the scene from Remember the Titans. Uh, when they go to the Battle of Gettysburg. But in actuality, when you go right. to these places, you get there, and it's a couple of plaques, and it's just a big grass field. <laughs> I mean, oh. what do you, I'm, I'm curious, though. Like, Jared, what do you expect there to be? Like, do you want, like, a, a reenactment going on or something? Or, like, what do you kind of expect well, it to be? It, like, basically what I expect is there to be some sort of, you know, uplifting, not necessarily like a speech, but if you notice and remember the Titans, it's like, there, it's foggy, it's like right at, as the sun is coming up, it's like very scenic. Uh, it just, I, it's just <laughs> from what I've kind of, from, I've heard a few stories similar to this, and it just, that's how usually kind of the verdict is that it's just, it's just a feel. Yeah, oh, well, it's, it's definitely more than that, especially, you know, when you when you look at the history of our country and you think about the Civil War. I mean, you know, I don't remember how many total casualties we had, all Americans, you know, the North against the South. But I will say this, and, and maybe someday you'll appreciate it. You know, I did get a chance to tour Gettysburg a couple times. It just it, it's awe inspiring. But really, the battlefield that really was the greatest one that we saw was Antietam. Okay, that's in Maryland, and you're, you're on top of this big hill, and you have a park ranger describing, you know, here's the Confederates coming through the woods over to the right. You can just picture it as, as he describes it. It really is a very cool thing. It may not sound that way to you right now, Jared, but believe me, it is very cool. So this was just like a spur-of-the-moment thing that you guys went to the battlefield, or? Yeah, it was completely spur of the moment. We we stopped in Nashville, kind of cruised through there a little bit, and we headed south towards Memphis on a kind of a back route way. <laughs> actually, actually, we uh, were going to eat dinner at Davy Crockett State Park in Tennessee, <laughs> <laughs> but it was closed. So we we laid our head down in this town called uh, uh, Lawrenceburg, and. My wife was looking on the computer, and she said, hey, the Battle of Shiloh took place about five minutes away. So we got up the next morning, checked it out. It was just awesome, you know, because there was nobody there. It was Sunday morning, and we, we went through the whole thing, learned a little history, and it got us hungry for our trip in Memphis. That'll where I'll, that's where I'll go next. So we, we went to Memphis. I've never been there before. You're going to talk about some barbecue, right? Absolutely. We all appreciate a good barbecue, don't we? You, have, I know I'm not going to say you're the richest guy I know, but you have these <laughs> – what the heck are you doing not flying down to Nashville and maybe renting a car? Like, what are you doing on this long road trip? Just kind of sounds like hell, to be honest. It, I know no, you're... it's not. We, I, I got my wife with me, and we enjoy these road trips, man. It's, it's, a, it's like it's awesome. So, I, like I said, we went to Memphis. You know all about the Memphis barbecue. We had lunch at B.B. King's, uh, King's Blues Club, and maybe the best barbecue I have ever eaten in my life there on Beale Street. And then another little history lesson for you guys. Jared, I know you love music. Matt, you love music. Uh, we actually toured Sun Recording Studio. That's where Elvis got his start. I know you're not a big fan of Elvis, Jared, but uh, Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, and 
Johnny Cash. It's where they all got their start. And this was one of the coolest, you know, little museum tours that I've taken. We've done the Motown thing in Detroit, but the Sun Recording Studio was just outstanding. Highly recommend it to anybody, especially anybody that's a, a music fan of the beginning of rock and roll. Comments? Yeah, that would be cool to see. I know I'm, I'm blanking right now. I could look it up real quick. Part of my parents' trip that they just did, they went to Elvis's hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, Graceland. Yeah, I'm, I'm blanking. Did they do Graceland? I think they did Graceland, but like where he was actually born or like oh, where he grew Tupelo. up. Tupelo. Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, Tupelo, yep. And they <laughs> went there and kind of said the same thing. Like basically that town is Elvis. Like you can see, you know, the house he was born in, uh, like everything there is Elvis. And as I, I mean, not necessarily like a huge Elvis fan, like Johnny Cash, our friend down there, Craig, one of our most most loyal fans. Johnny Cash is awesome. I mean, yeah, like I think even if you don't like that genre of music, I you like, you can appreciate it. I feel like if you do like music, you know, like, cause so many other bands have like, you know, styled their, I guess like their style comes from all these people, Elvis and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I feel like going there, even if you're not a big fan, you can appreciate the greatness around you is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I've always thought it was a little bit weird when towns, like I just think of Flint, like Mark Ingram, like you see mm-hmm. a Mark Ingram, like there's probably 10 of them in Flint. And, and that's even like, but I just can imagine. So what is it? Tupelo? You said Mississippi. Where Tupelo, Mississippi. Literally everything Elvis. I've always just thought places like that are kind of weird. It's like at the end of the day, it's just one guy. And this town has probably had m- maybe a million or more people come through it since it was first like founded or whatever. And yet all people think about is I want to go to the Elvis Museum. But then again, I mean, I mean, first version of that with Kerwood, who I don't even know what the heck that guy does. It is kind of interesting that you just put Mark Ingram on Elvis's <laughs> level. Mark, Mark Ingram, Elvis, that's yeah, about the same, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and James <laughs> Oliver Kerwood there in Owasso. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like Elvis was Elvis like played baseball on these streets and or I don't even know what Elvis did as a kid. And now we're just going to devote everything that this town is all about. It's just about this one singular guy. I just think it's kind of funny that team that places do that. <laughs> well, uh, you would appreciate it if you ever checked it out. I will tell you that. But I'll, I'm saving the best for last on my catch-up here, guys. Um, you know, I've in my travels, Jared, like you said, I'm just a rich man, and, you know, I have to drive to all these places. But uh, I've been to Key West, Duval Street. I've been to Vegas, Fremont Street, obviously Nashville and Broadway. And now on this trip, made Memphis and Beale Street. And I've even been in Owasso for the New Year's, New Year's Eve ball drop on Washington Street, fellas. <laughs> but, but let me tell you, I have never seen anything in my life. And, Jared, this would be right up your alley. I don't know if you've been there before, Matt, but we, uh, we cruised over for a Saturday night in New Orleans on Bourbon Street. And just let me tell you, to start it off with, if there wasn't vaccines right now, that was a COVID contagion super spreader, to say the very least. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen anything as much mayhem, as much uh, different crazy outfits, uh, women flopping out uh, just to gain some beads. It was unreal. <laughs> Comments? I mean, I, I feel like that's always what I hear. I've had a, I've never been uh, down to New Orleans. I, I really need to make the trip. But I feel like it's one of those things like I, it would be cool to go now or even at your age, Ted. But I feel like it's it would be – It'd be a little different if I was like 21, 22, 25, Without single, 
and you know stuff like that maybe you would enjoy it a little more but yeah that, that's the stories you always hear like i don't think you can go there and have like a calm just like laid back experience it's like pretty wild all the time yeah that's the way, that's the way i would look at it now did you go to any bars or did you kind of just you just walk the walk uh what even, what even I, I, well i did yeah it's called bourbon street and it's it's yeah. probably i don't know 12, 15 blocks long with bars and decadence on both sides of the street. I mean, Larry Flint has three different hustler clubs on on the street, for crying out loud. Uh, It's just absolutely nuts. I mean, I thought thought it only got that way really on Mardi Gras time. But Saturday night on Bourbon Street, are you kidding me? It's just nuts. It It was fun. It really was. And we just did a quick walk the 15 blocks and back and grabbed our cocktails, you know, and walked down the street because it's open container all over the place. No problem at all. It, it's definitely a bucket list item, guys. Are you even back? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in undisclosed areas of the country right at the moment. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. But that's that's my catch up, boys. How about how about how's your week been? I mean, I haven't been traveling all over the place, just, you know, staying, <laughs> staying busy with work and everything, keeping the family life going. But, but that was, that was a classic, like uh, you're a grandpa now. I, I threw that out in the comment section. You're a grandpa now. You are getting your, like, your grandpa storytelling is like just on, on key right now. Cause once you're, once those grandkids are old enough, they're going to be sitting on your knee and you're basically going to do this exact same thing. Telling these Grandpa Ted stories. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, man. I've just, I just had a flashback to it. It was a sight to behold. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Store that one away in the uh, old memory bank for, for a day. Um, Amen. <laughs> so this is something that's kind of been bothering me for a little bit. Not necessarily. I don't know. If bothering me is the right word, but just I'm going to say this before I even change your opinion on something. What is your guys' thoughts just on malls in general? Uh, whatever comes to your head, what are your thoughts on them? Oh, I mean, initial thought, right? When you throw that, that out, I absolutely love malls. I've always loved the mall experience from when I was a young kid going there, especially like during Christmas time, you know, going to Genesee Valley Mall in Flint or uh, Meridian Mall in East Lansing. I've always loved malls. But then I worked at a mall for uh, three years during college, like right outside of Grand Rapids. And that was one of, I mean, I love my job now, but that job at that mall during college was one of the coolest jobs I've ever had because like, it was like your typical, like you hear all the stories, all the people that worked at the different stores knew each other. We'd go, there was a Chili's and a TGI Fridays at that mall. We'd all go to the Fridays or the Chili's bar after our stores closed and hang out. And, you know, there was some, after parties and stuff like that so no whenever people talk about malls i'm like i wish i almost wish i could have made a career out of working at a mall because it was such a cool experience yeah i'll throw my two cents in here real quick like and by the way if anybody online would like to join us they just asked to speak if they want to participate in the conversation we can get you on but you know you, you talked about me being the grandpa matt i mean this is kind of sad. Now, now I've become depressed after Bourbon Street. Now I'm depressed because I remember when malls started out. You know, I remember when there weren't any malls. <laughs> and, you know, it, it went through the whole phase where you know every mall tried to outlast, the, up, out, out, outdo the other. You know, I've been to the Mall of America a couple times, but I think they're kind of on their way out, aren't they? With everything online nowadays. Yes. Uh, so let me just be, I'll say this. I, I used to love malls uh, when I was a kid. Wait, hold on. I almost forgot. Matt, so Matt was just saying how he had an after party that started at a Chili's. I would like to be a fly on the wall on that part. It seems like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, 
it was mostly because the we knew uh, all the bartenders that worked at Chili's. So we'd go down there, you know, after our stores closed, they'd hook us up with drinks. And then, you know, once Chili's closed, we'd all roll back to whoever's house. But, but yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> all right. So the reason I'm bringing this up is well, you- because, as you guys know, I've been in a relationship. Uh, so basically closing on eight months now. First big relationship I've been in, and one thing I've noticed is my trips to malls have become more and more frequent. Something that maybe I did once a year, you know, basically just to go to the food court and have Panda Express has now turned into basically uh, once, maybe sometimes even twice a month trip. And I just had some thoughts on it. So one, I'm glad that malls are kind of, they're basically going to become obsolete. Uh, with online shopping. Something about malls, I've realized that I, I go and walk, you know, 72 holes of golf on a Saturday, and I won't be tired. I could be like, you know, I'll go another. Eight. As soon as I step into a mall, I'm like, my feet are killing me. I'm exhausted. You know, I get a headache. It's not necessarily the fact that we're shopping a lot of times for like female, like in female stores, like Forever 21 or whatever. I think it's more of the fact that malls, are, why would I go to a mall nowadays to get something one i can't even try things anymore why would i go to a mall to look at a like very small selection of clothes compared to the internet where i can google just about any t-shirt any sort of you know some sort of joke this or that gonna be on some sort of clothing exactly the way i want it exactly the size i want it and it's gonna be to my house in two days i only have to leave the comfort of my house this is something i've realized because now that i've been going to finish line footlocker I'm starting to realize that clothes nowadays are – they're terrible. It's like you go – Matt, I don't know if you put it, but go for a shoe, and they're – like whatever happened to just black and white shoes? How – like I'm, I'm all for like the Kyrie Irving, you know, new, you know, different color schemes, colorways, and all this and that, but I can't wear that like with anything. What, whatever happened to just having white shoes, black shoes, um, you know, maybe one color in it, like the typical colorways, it's just we've – gone so far from that and now all you find in a finish line and footlocker is like the same jordan gear that is in every other store you go to in a mall and i don't know i'm just sick of it like i said i'm probably here in a very small minority because i go way more than the average person but that's just where i'm at right now with malls i'm ready for them to be condemned you're like the you're right now you're the perfect mix of like the the new age kids who you just want to shop online i just want everything you know my amazon prime i get it the next day or in two days but you're also like very get off my lawn right now with yeah. what are these shoes with all these crazy colors? I just want my my white New Balance that are going to be grass stained in in two months or whatever. Like I can't, I, I'm kind of like confused on what take you're giving right here. I mean, I, I like I still like going to the malls. It's not like we go that often, but when we do, I enjoy it. Like Craig said, you know, you go to the food court, you get your Panda Express or whatever, you get your your pretzel from Annie Ann's, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I like it, but I think it's also like I, there's been a ton of times I've bought clothes or shoes online and then you get it and they don't fit right. Or, you know, especially like hats, you know, I'll buy like a fitted hat and it doesn't fit right or something. So there's still value in going and checking out the clothes or shoes and seeing if they fit. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm confused by you, Jared, right now. Matt, I'm telling you, the malls are not what you remember when you were a kid, when that was the only place you'd go to. The, the selection back then was probably awesome. Nowadays, it's the same four stores that are in. I can tell you the stores that I'm interested in, and they're at the, they're at every mall. It's the same stores: Finish Line, Foot Locker, Champs, and Lids. And the Lid stores, <laughs> maybe five by five squares. If you've ever walked by one, you can't even go in there without. <laughs> but it's just 
I'm more of the tangent. I'm not sure what I'm more angry about is like the the Nike changes to you know just like the whole flamboyant like the like electric green and like electric reds and yellows and all these different colors or if it's just the fact that you know maybe i'd rather just be on a golf course than at a mall on my saturday i don't know i think that's probably it i i I sense a little bit of uh pent-up anger and i'm a little bit surprised uh you know coming from you jared you're talking about black and white shoes i mean to me, I always thought you were kind of the fashionista. You like the new stuff. You, you, you know, you wanted to be all decked out for the Kentucky Derby. What's going yeah. on? There's a difference between the Kentucky Derby and just like every day. Like, I'm not saying that I want, I'm going to buy black and white shoes, but it'd be nice to have that option. It? Like, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. wear LeBron, you know, South Beach editions. I, it just let me wear a pair of white and black shoes. Um, one thing I will throw out just the last thing in my catch up segment is I had to deal with sort of the, the boomer generation, uh, on Facebook last week when I sold my moped sold in two hours. Uh, and I just noticed that a lot of the guys who (laughs) sold it in two hours before, um, basically before a lot of the guys could even have like their chance to make a bet or place like how much they would pay me for it. So I sold it for 400. And as soon as I let everybody know that I sold all these old guys were coming at me on Facebook saying, oh, I would have gave you 600. I would have gave you 700. Like, are you an idiot? You don't know how to make like, So maybe I, just my little foray into selling, I've realized it's kind of not for me. So I guess that's why Ted is our salesman. Yeah, it's it's called dickering, but usually they dicker before the sale, not after. I haven't run much into that one. Especially like telling you they would have paid more. Yeah. Usually, usually they're trying to bargain you down. But yeah, that I don't know if you've ever like, you know, again, this is like, the generational stuff like i know craigslist is still around but like when i was in college like high school but then definitely through college craigslist was like huge there was i mean you you could sell stuff you know like maybe in the paper still or something but it was all about craigslist and you would always get those people trying to finagle prices or you know doing stuff like that so Sometimes it's almost easier just to like take it to goodwill just get rid of it oh yeah <laughs> All right, fellas, I think everybody's uh, probably uh, caught up with our catch-up, if you will. Let's, uh, let's get into some sports next here on Three Point Pod. The Hankard Sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. They do it by providing 100% guarantee to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always have Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul school spirit items in stock. Also, special items for family, sporting, business, and charity events. Call them at 989-725-2979, stop on into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at hankard.sportswear. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Their top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Unique service to represent unique lives. In mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started all the way back in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that's focused on your success. 
Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one -on -one service with a personal touch. Located in downtown Owasso, call for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Well, it's the, uh, yeah, it's the, the favorite time of the year for Lions fans. It's, it's the off-season when every team is basically like level playing field and then the NFL draft. When you make all these awesome picks and you start breaking down the roster and it's like, look, this is this is the year. Look at these draft picks. This is the year the Lions are going to put it all together and everything's going to click. And then, you know, obviously a lot of times the Lions swing and miss. They love drafting tight ends in the first round for some reason. And this year they've got a great pick, number seven, a lot of talent in this draft. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting here almost thinking like, how are the Lions going to screw this up again? I just feel like, you know, with a new head coach, new GM, basically a whole new front office for the most part, you know, you want to be, you want to have some hope. You want to think that th things are going to be different, but we've seen especially you, Ted, time and time and time again, just swinging and missing on draft picks. And it's like, I, I just have a feeling they're going to do something, something stupid. They're going to do, they're going to reach for someone that probably should be a second round pick you know, or something like that. So I'm excited for the draft. I like the NFL draft. I'm excited to see what the Lions do, what the new coaching staff and everything, what they all do. But I'm a Lions fan, so I know to be hesitant. I was so. going to say, how can you not be, uh, you know, pessimistic on the Lions? Like you said, I've, I've been watching them forever. I mean, hashtag since 57. I love it. But uh, you know they're probably going to blow it. They seem to always blow it. Maybe, though maybe this is the year we can – see some optimism with, you know, they cleaned house with upper management and coaching and we can only hope boys. So I'll just be the, I'm going to say this. So I know we're all kind of, you know, Hey, see what Jared Goff can do. He can do this. Even the best version of Jared Goff, he's still not going to be as good as Matt Stafford was. So we know we've seen that. We've seen that Matt Stafford can't even deliver a championship to Detroit. So I'm looking at, I, I want to take a quarterback. And I know that might not be the smartest thing. This team is not win now. I don't know what changed because we got a new head coach who's a first-time head coach that everyone thinks like, oh, like draft something that's not a quarterback. No, we need a quarterback. Jared Goff is not the answer. You're kidding yourself if you think that he is the answer. Yeah, I, I was just going to yeah. say, so here's my thing with the whole the whole quarterback pick. You know, I, I agree with you. This is not a, a win now situation. This is, you know, they're probably not going to compete for another two or three years, maybe. And so that's kind of where I'm like, don't draft a quarterback this year because yes, Jared Goff, like, is he the like quarterback of the future? You know, I don't know. He has started in a Super Bowl, so it's not like he's a slouch. But right, he might be like a one, two, three year band aid for you to build a legitimate roster and then sign a quarterback, you know, in a year or two or draft a quarterback in a year or two. Because all I keep thinking is, you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going number one and then probably Zach Wilson number two, you know, to the Jets. So maybe by the time it gets to seven, it might be Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And like, I don't know about you guys. Like when I hear those names, I'm not necessarily thinking they're going to be like quarterbacks of the future. So I would much rather, and I know I've said it on the podcast a number of times, I would much rather see them build up the offensive line, get a legitimate playmaker on defense. I mean, drafted Jeff Okuda last year. So hopefully after a weird rookie year, he kind of puts it together and turns into an actual good cornerback but we haven't had like a legitimate playmaker i mean darius slay i guess but on defense and a legitimate offensive line where you can just be like 
I don't care who the running back is. I don't care who the quarterback is. The offensive line is solid. They're, they're, they're going to be strong no matter what. That's what I want to see. And then address quarterback. I mean, that's just my opinion. But, you know, so, so we'll, what will happen is Justin Fields will probably be available. Lions will pass on him, and he'll become the next Russell Wilson. That, that's probably what will happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about that's it. That's always what the is, risk. That is always the, the risk. It's, you know, the guys that have Russell Wilson, the guys that have Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. All we need is the hit on somebody like that. I don't care how many chances it takes. As long as we are the Detroit Lions and we don't have a, you know, stud quarterback that we have drafted that is like that, I, I say every year that we're in the top, like, 10, we take a chance on them. That is the only thing we are 60 years consistently losing as Detroit Lions fans. The only thing that is going to shake that up is a generational talent. I don't know if Justin Fields is going to be that. I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be that, but I want to take the chance on them. Now, you mentioned, like, taking a line. I don't necessarily hate Penny Sewell because it just seems like this guy is the classic, you know, plug-and-play lineman that's ready for the NFL right now. He's going to be a stud right away, 10-year pro bowler. I don't hate that pick. I don't think he's going to be there, though. And the thing with waiting to take a quarterback next year, Matt, is this is this year's quarterback class is loaded. That's why I just don't like the idea of, oh, let's wait and see what – like, from everything I've heard, it's going to be not that good next year. Uh, guys that are smarter than I, that's what they've been saying. This year is loaded with quarterbacks. We have a top seven pick. A quarterback who we would have been, like, elated to have, Justin Fields, a couple of months ago, he's fallen a little bit. Now we're just going to be like, oh, we don't want him. I want Justin Fields. Bring him in. If he's on the table, I want to draft him. He is – give him a couple of years to learn under Jared Goff, and I think he's going to be a great pick. That is who I 100% want. Now would I be mad if we drop, drafted – Devonta Smith or, you know, some playmaking wide receiver like Jamar Chase? No, but I'm just saying I think a quarterback is the only way to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that you guys are debating this back and forth because I'm, for a change, kind of sitting in the middle. You know, Jared, you said something about this is a year to draft a quarterback, a generational quarterback. We had one, and look what happened. You, you, you're not going to find a quarterback Matt, in this draft that's any better than Matt Stafford. Are you I, kidding me? was Kirk Cousins. We need Aaron Rodgers. That's like we need somebody that's another level above Matt Stafford. That is how you win Super Bowls. That is, that's just the type of – I understand Matt Stafford is very good, and I think he does have a chance to win a Super Bowl with the Rams, but it's just the way I look at it is if you really want to change this, this franchise, we need like a jolt of energy, and the only way that's going to happen is with the star quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely don't disagree. I mean, that's what the NFL is. I mean, yeah, I know like Trent Dilf- the the like Trent Dilfers are out there who won a Super Bowl, but that that doesn't happen very often. You have to have a superstar quarterback. But I guess that's kind of where I stand. Like, well, do we think one of these guys is going to be a Super Bowl? I guess you never know. I mean, Trevor Lawrence might end up being a bust too. You know, like you you never know what's going to happen. But I guess my thing is too is like seeing this off season, quarterbacks were flying all over the place, trades and like free agent signings, and quarterbacks were just going all over it was like like a carousel or whatever you know so i just think like build a team i wouldn't be mad if they took justin fields because i do it does seem like he he looks like he's gonna be pretty good but i'd rather see them build a team an offensive line maybe get a couple good skill players build up a strong defense and then maybe in a year or two there's a quarterback out there who's demanding a trade you know like a deshaun watson situation or you know like there's some there's a quarterback out there that's sick of where he is and then you can go pick him, trade trade a couple picks or, you know, do whatever to pick him up. And I'd much rather see that because if you have a Justin Fields and you've got no run game, like our, some of our listeners down there in the in the chat room are talking about taking wide receivers, you've got no wide receivers and you've got a weak offensive line. I don't care if you have Aaron Rodgers. It's not really going to matter. So, you know, that's just kind of where I stand. And kind of like 
like I I would be way against taking Kyle Pitts, you know, the the tight end out of Florida. I do not oh, yeah. want to see do not want to see another tight end top ten. But then you like you throw out, you know, you remember you remember like the Patriots having Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski and like how dynamic that was. And it's like, could that be a thing? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, that would be an electric pick, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I'm never gonna scoff at drafting a skill position player, even if it's a tight end, because Kyle Pitts seems like this guy is like the next Calvin Johnson. Like he's almost not even a tight end. And you look at some of the best right. offenses in the in the league. It's I mean it's Travis Kelsey. It's all these stud tight ends that can move and catch like that. So I don't hate the idea of drafting him. Here's like I'll just go through and I went actually through and read like six different mock drafts and these are the names that I saw that the Lions were projected at grabbing. You guys let me know who of this list you guys would want to see. Sounds like Matt's leaning toward Penny Sewell, but we'll see. All right, so according to CBS Sports, they have us taking Justin Fields. Uh, the Draft Network and Pro Football Network have us taking Trey Lance. Let's see, CBS, another writer on CBS and the Pro Football Network has us taking Jamar Chase. Uh, Jalen Waddle is another guy that a lot of people have us taking. Devontae Smith, from wide receiver from Alabama, and then uh, Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman from Oregon. Of those picks, I'm not going to lie, I'm throwing all my weight behind Trey Lance. And I'll just be honest, you know, as most mm. people are, aren't these guys that do it for a living. All I know about them is his highlight. I was impressed by his highlight tape. I saw a little three-minute story of him on college game day earlier this year. I'm all behind Trey Lance. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in the league. I, 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 that's who I want with this pick. Trey Lance, give him to me. Make him a Detroit Lion. See the South Dakota guy? Yes, yes, North Dakota State. Hmm. See, my only concern with that is, you know, what kind of defenses has he been going up against? That's that's just my one little worry there. If you're going to burn a number one, I understand that his highlight tape looks great. Hell, Jared, yours look great. But you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, what's he going to do with with no offensive line? And T.J. Hawkinson is the only legitimate skill player to throw to. That that's my only thing. He he may end up being a legitimate player, but I mean, he's not like Lamar Jackson out there who can just like scramble around like crazy. You know, so I so like kind of to answer your question. I would lean towards Sewell if he's even there. You know, I, I doubt he's going to be there. But I, if, if he's not there, if you can't go offensive line, personally, I either want one of those wide receivers from the SEC because those dudes are just, like, absolutely ridiculous studs. And Jared Goff can mm-hmm. just, like, air it out to them or dump it underneath to Hawkinson. And that sounds pretty nice to me. Or I want to trade back. Even if you can pick up, like, another second round pick or two, or just trade back to like the, you know, number 15 pick, you know, something like that. Because this team that we, we started this all off saying they're not in win now mode clearly. So I would, if you could even just get another pick or two, I'm not saying like get nine more draft picks, just stock up on a couple more picks where you could maybe get some solid players. I wouldn't be against that either because I mean, you're, yeah, if you get one great wide receiver, that's cool. But if the rest of the team stinks, then it you know kind of doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, who's the top yeah. defensive player on the board? Who's who? Who would they look at if they went defense? Yeah, the the linebacker from Penn State. I heard uh, that Parsons. Notre Dame has a pretty good linebacker too, don't they? Yeah, and that, that's it. There's there's some great, but like, are they like number seven worthy? You know, that's what you wonder. But then yeah, you know, pe- people the... say like it doesn't matter where you're picking, pick the best player available that you want, whether it's a linebacker yeah. or. Or like we saw way back in the day, 1983, the Lions took a fullback. I mean, that just sounds like completely a Lions move. But, yeah, especially with Dan Campbell being the coach. I can totally see Dan Campbell wanting Ben Mason from Michigan. 
just a complete football guy <laughs> meathead. Jared, I, I'd be happy with Trey Lance because, right, he looks like a stud, says all the right things and everything. I just wonder if the team would do any help for him, you know? Yeah, and that's why I, if we do draft a quarterback, I hope that we don't just throw him in and start him right away. But I will say this. You, I mean, although we are talking about, you know, we got to draft the next superstar quarterback, really, ideally, all we really need him to do which is just be better than what Jared Goff is. And I don't think that's like a super high bar to clear. That's a realistic to have from like a top seven pick like this. I like the idea of trading back. Most notably, if we can get it just at like a first round next year, uh, I see like the Patriots are the most like common guy that we seem to be like trading with. I like all these guys that I'd listed off. I don't hate any of them. Like there's no Eric Ebron in this draft from the looks of it that like just where the where the hell draft this guy from? Like, I don't know why we took him. Uh, but if I had to say like my favorite, it's Devonta Smith, like wide receiver. If we're not yeah. going, if we're not going back, I want him. I, I People are overthinking this guy. Like, yes, he's small. He weighs less than me. Uh, and he's like six inches taller than me. But regardless, it's like the guy balled out. No one could cover him. Matt, you saw it better than anyone. SEC Network. Nobody could cover this guy. Why would we not just take him? It's just I don't understand it. it. They crack beer with the draft. We overthink these things. He's he's Tyreek Hill two point I mean, hmm. we we see what we see what Mahomes does with Tyreek Hill and then Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying Jared Goff is Patrick Mahomes, but you know if he could be decent and have Hawkinson. And yeah, Devonta Smith. I mean that that only helps the run game, you know. So I, that's where like, it's not win now. So I I keep repeating myself. Myself, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. But if you can build up a legitimate offense and get some cool, good, some good skill players, then maybe one of those veteran quarterbacks would want to come here. Or who knows? I mean, we keep like, I, I don't. I could look it up real quick. Jared Goff isn't that old. You know, who knows, maybe a change of scenery and he actually turns into a decent quarterback, too. You know, we don't know that yet. Yeah, I think he's only I think he's 27 and he he has some talent. I mean, heck, he went to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy can play some football, so they have some yeah, other I, spots there. Who knows better, Sean McVay or you and me, two idiots on, on this podcast? That's the way I look at it is well, Sean McVay <laughs> said we can do way better without this guy. Let's ship him out of town ASAP at like a premium price like let's get rid of them like that's just like how do i look at this guy and say okay like we're fine let's have him be our quarterback for the next three years no i like just take a spin on a quarterback I, it's just cut bait i mean we've done this whole like try to draft by position and even when we do get a guy that hits like kenny galladay they just leave like let's get a star quarterback that guys want to come play with Nobody's going to say – no wide receiver is going to play for Aaron Rodgers and say, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to go somewhere else. Like, let's just get somebody in here that can be a one-man franchise. That's what we need, a one-man franchise. Yeah, I mean – I, I guess we know what you want. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean. I, I, little... I wouldn't be against it. I, I guess my thing is maybe the whole Matt Stafford situation just, like, really, like, soured me on drafting a number one, you know, a pick – or a quarterback with your number one pick. Because like Ted, Ted has said a number of times, he's the best quarterback the Lions ever had. And that's, that's why McVay traded Goff, because he knew he had a better chance with Stafford. So like seeing, seeing the Lions basically waste one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, legitimately potential, could, could be the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's the only reason why I'm just thinking, like, I don't know about a quarterback. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know. So Jared's going quarterback. I would – I would prefer one of the skill players. Ted, where do you kind of – you want to go defense? Or yeah, what do you think? I, I'd either go defensive line or linebacker or offensive line. I could live with uh, I could live with Smith from Alabama, though, to, to make things electric, as Jared likes to say. But uh, I'd probably go 
you, you know, you live and die by the line, man. So that, I'd go either side. Well, you know what? I, I think everybody can tell and everybody in the state of Michigan knows that we're, we are passionate about our Lions. Uh, the biggest party that this state would ever, ever see if the Lions ever made it to the Super Bowl. And let's hope that this new management team can get it together. I know we got some other things we're going to get into, fellas, including I think, Jared, uh, you might have some more things you want to talk about with your guy, Jake Paul, coming up. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout orders. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. Advanced Elevator Company have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. An area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator. Hankard Sportswear is the area's top clothing and more printing business. Located in the heart of Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street. Give them a follow on Facebook at hankard.sportswear. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that is focused on your success. The home financing team has over 25 years experience and origination of all types of loans. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. You're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega-sized bank. Every transaction is given complete attention from the very beginning to the end. Located in downtown Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more information on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Yep, I don't know if you guys saw it this last weekend. It sounds like you have. Jake Paul has basically, yet again, put the UFC in his back pocket. And what was a message to Dana White, where basically, I mean, how can you argue with his results, is the fact that he's made more money fighting than everyone but two people in the and that's Khabib and Connor in their entire fighting career in the UFC like it's just a joke he's basically making the whole entire UFC an entire sham he's laughing at Daniel Cormier the whole UFC places chanting F Jake Jake Paul he is just the ultimate showman and every move this guy makes makes me brute form more and more to basically bring down what is the UFC just bring it down bring it down with you and that's what he's doing he just keeps shutting up Going up at these events and he's just making noise what he does best. Yeah, that's that's always been one criticism, I guess, or one shot at Dana White. He has built the UFC. I mean, Ted, UFC didn't even exist back when you were, you know, like coming up through your, oh, your no. early sports guys' days. Now I remember when UFC was like UFC one, two, three, and what now we're up to UFC two sixty one was the latest one. So like from what it's where it started to where it is now you have to give Dana White just an enormous amount of credit but he has been a lot of people take shots at him because of what you're talking about Jared with Jake Paul and like the fighters don't get their like even cut of the share you know of all the pay-per-view and stuff like that that Dana White you know isn't like divvying out the money evenly and even Conor McGregor has said that before too that's one of the reasons he went to fight Floyd Mayweather because he was like look at how much money I get by going over here to boxing and at that time, McGregor was the biggest ticket in UFC, and he wasn't even getting close to that much money, you know? So that's exactly what Jake Paul's doing. And, you know, I've, I've tweeted it out and stuff, but I'm not necessarily a Jake Paul fan. I, I'm really, I would say I'm not a Jake Paul fan, but I can appreciate what he's doing because you have that, that, that event last Saturday, UFC 261, was incredible. I'm not going to say I sat there and watched every single second, 
But every fight was great, especially the last couple. That whole event was fantastic. And other than that ridiculous knockout at the end, one of the biggest things people were talking about was Jake Paul being there. So it's like you can hate on the dude all you want and hate what he's trying to do and how he's only fighting former NBA players and stuff. But all he's doing is gaining followers on social media and, and growing how much, like he, how much money he's going to make at every fight he does. So it's just one of like, I see people hating on him and tweeting about him. This guy's a loser. You know, he's an idiot. Stop talking about him. And it's like, but you're talking about him. Like everyone is hating on this guy while talking about him. So all you're doing is helping him out, helping him make more money. That's what you're doing. It, it, it just cracks me up how it's, it's just, he's, he, how is it that he's with these like three absolute sham of a boxing events. A guy, a, a guy that Ted probably didn't even know who he was uh, a week ago has made more than 99% of the UFC's entire roster. It, it's just such a joke. And the other guy who's been kind of coming out of the woodworks this past week is I'm going to say something that's kind of maybe a little bit of a hot take. I know I'm in the minority with this. I'm Conor McGregor out. I never thought that day would come. Uh, but just like the last five years of his career where he's taken, you know, these joke fights like Floyd, Floyd Mayweather and even his last two out of his last three fights, He's just been absolutely embarrassed ever since uh, Khabib just put him in a box uh, and just showed you that this guy is like 10 times a better fighter than Conor McGregor is. And McGregor is no longer like the toughest guy in UFC. It's basically just made a whole mockery of him. And now he's going after, you know, this Usman guy who basically just like is the 170 guy looks like he can't be beat. And now Conor McGregor is going after him. It just at what point is it? It's kind of sad for me to say this, but it's almost like what we thought Tom Brady would be at this point where it's like this flash-in-the-pan guy who I loved. He was my favorite fighter, and now he's sort of, like, kind of peaked, and now he's on, like, sort of the slow, you know, bunny hill downwards, where it's just he doesn't have the same pop to me. Am I alone in that, or is it just because I'm too anti him at this point? Well, what little I know about the sport, you know, I've, I've come against the UFC before, but you can't help but watch Conor McGregor. And I tend to agree with everything I've seen and, and including some of his last few fights, he definitely has lost the skill in the, what's the term octagon. And, uh, <laughs> but he still can work the mic. That's the only thing I still enjoy about him. And the guy, he's just, it, no matter what he says. And if you don't understand what he says, it still comes across as entertaining. You know what I'm talking about? But the skills are definitely on the decline without a doubt. Well, I mean, it's one of those things too, like UFC, like guys don't go very, guys don't go undefeated or go on like long winning streaks in the UFC very often, you know? So like he had his hot streak, even uh, Masvidal who last lost last weekend had a hot streak and then he just got knocked out cold last Saturday. So like Usman, while he's hot right now, you know, like at some point he's going to run up to some, run into somebody who's, who's just, you know, on a hotter streak or, you know, can fight a little better or something. So I don't, I'm not to the point where I'm Conor McGregor out, like you're saying, Jared. And I know Usman is like on top of the world right now. And he is bigger than McGregor, but I wouldn't put it against McGregor to maybe like get into shape and get into fighting shape and maybe pull a ridiculous upset because of that. Cause he can play those mind games and it's not like he's like a scrub. Now he can still fight. He can still yeah. knock people out. So, and that's what, that's exactly what happens. And that's what happened like last Saturday. One punch knocked Masvidal out. McGregor could do that to Usman. I'm not saying it would happen, but all it takes is one punch. And McGregor can definitely knock people out. He's done it a ton of times in his career. So, And you know you're going to say you're McGregor'd out. 
But if that fight actually happens, you're watching. Now, it's probably yeah. going to be an illegal stream. It's going to be an illegal stream that you're not going to pay for, but you're going to watch it. <laughs> hey, it, that comes with the territory. That's every time. Um, you, you're right. He is still the best talker, best trash talker, best promoter in the UFC. Uh, just this cracked me up, this tweet to Usman. Uh, he says, quote, unquote, I've got the biggest balls in Ireland with two lump hammers attached to me elbows. I just like how he said me elbows. Like, that's just like an Ireland accent. But my problem with, with McGregor this past weekend starts with this. Usman wins. Everyone's talking about Uz, Usman's. Everyone's loving him. And then all of a sudden, he t- just con- – Conor McGregor comes out of the woods and tweets, like, the stuff how Usman is, like, stealing his style and look at who he's copying. It's like, what are you even talking about, dude? You haven't won a fight to this level in years. So it's like, just shut up. And if you – like, I'm, I love the talking. I love the promoting. But at some point, you just got to show that you are what you once were. You're, you're not that right now. You haven't shown it in years. So it's like, how am I going to listen to you? Everyone's copying you. Everyone's doing this or that. Just shut up, man. Just be somebody in, in the octagon again. And then I'll start but listening. Again, like I said about Jake Paul, everyone's talking about it. So yeah. you, you can say you're an idiot. You can say you're an idiot. You haven't won, blah, blah, blah. But when you check those tweets, there's thousands of retweets, thousands of likes, and uh, you know a ton of people hating on it too. So he's, he's just winning too. He's sitting back. He's drink. He's drinking his proper number twelve, his Irish whiskey, and he's just watching those retweets and he's watching those paychecks go up and up. He's laughing to the bank, just like Jake Paul is. They know what they're doing. And if he goes into the octagon and gets knocked out, oh well, you know he tips his cap to Usman and and then cashes that check. So, you know it's it is crazy. I wouldn't want to uh, seeing those pictures of Usman and seeing him knock knock Masvidal out last Saturday. I don't know, like how much money would it take you to step into the the octagon or the ring or, you know, whatever with those guys, I would need one hell of a payday to go take a couple punches from those dudes. Yeah. I thought like I was in the octagon on uh, bourbon street, but that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) Uh, Let me, pardon my ignorance on this boys, but is there, is there a big weight difference between Paul and McGregor? I mean, is that a possible fight that we could see down the road? I think Paul, they are not like a super big gap. I mean, for one, it's boxing, so I feel like the weight difference isn't as big as it is maybe like the UFC. But I think uh, mm-hmm. Paul just fought Askren at 190, uh, and I don't see why Paul yeah. couldn't drop, you know, maybe 15 pounds or whatever. And I mean, it would be such an in- unsanctioned fight that they probably wouldn't even have to abide by a certain weight weight uh, that they probably would just maybe be five, 10 pounds in a gap and just roll with it. But I don't know. That fight's never yeah. and it's that's sad. Well, you know, we did see. We did see McGregor and Mayweather, and, you know, actually, McGregor in the boxing ring did a pretty good job, I thought, didn't he? No, yeah, he, he held his own, and McGregor usually fights at, like, 165, so, and he, uh-huh. he wants to he wants to gain weight if he's going to fight Usman, so, you know, yeah, like Jared said, you, they, could, they could either go up or down, but Jake Paul would never get into the octagon with McGregor, because McGregor would absolutely no. destroy him in the octagon, but right, a boxing match, it's kind of one of those things, like, you know, I'm sure McGregor would want to, but like, I, it's probably getting to this point with a lot of guys who Jake Paul's kind of calling out. Like, what do they have to gain by going in there with him versus like, what do they have to lose? Like, if McGregor went in the boxing ring and boxed Jake Paul and did actually win, even knocked him out or won by a decision, it's kind of like, okay, cool, you're you're like a professional fighter for like 20 years or whatever. But if you go in there and get knocked out by Jake Paul. That I mean, it wouldn't ruin McGregor's legacy. That would be a huge knock on his legacy, though. 
So I, I bet a lot of guys are getting to that point. Like, I want to fight Jake Paul, but actually, like, he can fight a little bit. So I don't want to get knocked out by this dude. Yeah, but they're all in it. They're not in it necessarily for their legacy. They're in it for the paycheck. And wouldn't a Jake Paul McGregor pay-per-view? I mean, I'd, I'd pay to watch that thing, I think. Oh, it'd be incredible, especially yeah. if they if they promoted it like with Snoop Dogg calling the fight and stuff like that. <laughs> All I'll say, one last thing I'll say about uh, this topic is, if we've learned anything from these this whole Jake Paul uh, like story is that just what a joke the sport of boxing is. And I hate to say that, Ted, because I know you hold it like near and dear to your heart. You know, Tyson, Ali, and all this. But it's funny how he would never go into an octagon with Conor McGregor, but he would do this little dancing show that is boxing. This is basically, maybe I've been a little tainted just from watching Mayweather and Pacquiao where that's basically all it is. Is like, how many times can you just touch your uh, mitt to the guy's face and you'll get points for it? But I don't know. It's just, at the end of the day, I will say this, it's a little bit of a joke, the fact that Jake Paul will not go to the octagon because it's just, who wants to watch boxing nowadays anyways? It's, 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 you see, Matt, like you said at the start of this, how awesome of a card it was. Uh, on Saturday, it's like, how can you ever go back to boxing after watching that card? I think boxing, you, I know, Ted, you you definitely, and I do, I appreciate boxing too, because I, st- I was watching like at the peak of Mike Tyson and like Evander Holyfield and stuff. Ted, you were there watching, I mean, the heyday of boxing you know, oh, yeah. back in the day. So, but like, you could say that, yes, boxing has dropped off a little bit, but a legitimate boxing match like Pacquiao Mayweather, even though they were maybe a little bit past their prime, for some reason, it still is like up on a pedestal. Like if you get that legitimate, you know, matchup, two legitimate guys, Pacquiao Mayweather, you know, something like that. I think it's still like is like a tier above UFC. But, you know, I think UFC is definitely gaining ground. Oh, there's no question. I mean, you know, it's not breaking my heart that, you know, boxing has definitely fallen down. I mean, there's no question about it. You just look at it. But. You know, I don't think it's ever going to die. And I think if you get the right people, first of all, you got to have a legitimate heavyweight division. You know, you got to have heavyweights that create some excitement. And then you also need the lighter weights, like back in the days with Duran and Hearns and, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, those were classics, but it, it has passed by because of UFC. There's no question about it. But boxing, I don't think, ever will completely die. And just a final comment uh, from me on this. Yeah, Jake Paul is not a dummy. There's no way he would get in the octagon. He would be absolutely destroyed. No question about it. Yeah, and I think it, it's like to the credit, I guess, of the UFC kind of changing people's views like Jared on uh, boxing because – when you watch a UFC a UFC fight, I mean there are there's a lot more violence. I mean there's there's no other way to say it. A lot more violence, mm-hmm. a lot more punches. These dudes' faces are just like covered in blood. And then maybe you roll over to a boxing match, and there is a lot of dancing and stuff. So you know I can see that. It depends on what you like. It depends on what you're into. But I don't know. I, I, can, I can still appreciate both. Uh, I just, one thing, I just wish I could go back in time, like the night, let's say one of those Tyson, Evander Holyfield fights or something, the night uh, Tyson like got beat, that famous fight, and just like drop in at Ted's like bar or wherever the heck he was watching that and be like, hey, nice sport you got here. Jumbo. Guess what? And basically your sport is going to be a guy that was on Disney Channel. Uh, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. It wasn't the bar. It was actually my living room. And ask your dad about that night when he got knocked out by Douglas. It was one of the most incredible 
sports night memories I ever had, boys. It really was because, you know, when you look at all the all the big time heavyweights, of course, I was a kid during the Ali days, Ali Frazier, those three classic fights. If you want to watch the replay, I just saw it was on ESPN, uh, you know, and ABC. They, they had cleaned it up with high def. They had some commentary. Tessator did a great job on setting up the, the, the commentators there. It was just incredible when Ali fought Frazier the first fight, the, the, the quality of the boxing. Really, that's what it was all about, and that's just dropped big time. But the big fights, the Tyson fight, Tyson probably in his era, in, the, in those four or five years, Mike Tyson was must-watch TV. And you just you put money down on what round he would KO the guy, and it usually wasn't much more than one or two rounds because he was just – fierce and you know ali he goes down as the greatest that's his nickname obviously but i'm not sure i'm not sure who would win between ali and tyson when they're both in their prime that'd be a heck of a matchup yeah i mean completely different styles i mean yep ali ended up you know using the rope a dope a lot and just like taking punches but you wonder like would he be able to take those punches from tyson i know he was taking them from like george foreman and you know those guys but like Man, if if Tyson connected, it might be a different a different story. But I, I definitely remember getting together when Tyson was fighting like Lennox Lewis and uh, Evander Holyfield. Getting together with friends at like uh, I had some friends like had, that had like nice finished basements and big screen TVs, you know, stuff like that. And we'd get together and all throw in five bucks and watch a pay per view and stuff. And you know, I was like younger, so I wasn't necessarily like appreciating it like you, Ted. But it was it was like you were getting together to watch a movie. It was awesome. Yeah, it's a great event. Absolutely. All right, fellas, I think what we'll do is we'll wrap up a little potpourri and uh, a few other things right after this. Sheridan Auction Service always has a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Looking out for you, Sheridan Auction Service. Nelson House Funeral Homes' top goal is to serve the families in our community. The number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Check out more information on the web at nelson-house.com. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. All right, guys, uh, just a quick little entertainment segment before we throw maybe a couple more sports stories in. The Oscars just took place. I don't know if you guys have any interest in uh, the Academy Awards at all, but, uh, you know, I caught up a little bit on it on the road. Uh, any thoughts just to start off with from you guys? I mean, quick thoughts for me. Uh, I'm kind of over the Oscars. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. check and see. I'll check and see who won. There, there's no way in hell I'm sitting down for three hours and watching the Oscars. I still love movies. I get that it's a big deal. I'm not going to watch the actual like show though. No, fair there's, enough. Fair enough. There's just about nothing that I'm going to tune into live anymore. Uh, to be honest, I'll The Bachelor um, and live sporting <laughs> about it that I'm going to watch live. So it's just it's just not for me. Here's the thing with the Oscars is it's like Ted. Did you even watch it this year? Like honestly, uh, no. I caught like maybe like, the last awesome. hour of it. It's lost everybody. One, you don't know any of the movies. You never know any of the movies, especially a year like this. Like, has any movies even came out? I was actually just thinking about this, like scrolling through Netflix. There is the fact that there is no new TVs being or movies getting brought out other than maybe Godzilla versus Kong. 
it's kind of really, you don't even, I'm starting to really notice it. I'm running out of things to watch and the Oscars isn't helping with all these movies that I just, I'm sure they're good movies, but it's just not going to help me make me want to watch when I just don't know any of the movies until afterward. Yeah. And I'll break it down for you pretty simply this year with COVID and, you know, the studios having to cut way back, they cut way back on the filming. Yeah. We got a chance to watch it at home. A lot of the movies that were released like Mank, that was a, that was an Oscar nominated movie. You know, it, it was black and white. So I think they got a little extra pizzazz out of it because of that. But watching the movie it had really good acting by the league character, but uh, overall the movie was eh, just blah. And then, you know, this one also had a lot of hype, The Trial of the Chicago 7. That was on Netflix, and to me, that was a Netflix movie. How did that get nominated for an Academy Award? You know, I mean, it was based on a true story. It was an okay movie to watch on Netflix, but, you know, if I'd have went to the theater and, and paid big money to go watch it, I would have been disappointed. So I think this year was a down year, obviously, for cinema, and the the Academy Awards last night, from the part I saw, there was some corny stuff. The whole setup wasn't very good. I usually, to be honest with you, tune in to to see what some of the chicks are wearing. To be perfectly honest with you, and that's about it. So you're you're wow. after your Bourbon Street stories. I, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> As I say that with my wife sitting behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, you, you can appreciate that. See, I've never understood that line of reasoning though. It's like if I want. Um, if I want that, why not just pull up Safari? You know, what do I need um, to watch this? Like a girl's here or there wearing a dress, I, or usually, and usually it's some crazy dress. One show I will throw out here um, that I'm actually I, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of homework uh, because there's All a right. new season coming out on June 16th. So before then, I don't know if you guys know who the rapper. I'm sure Matt does now. That I say it, but the Little Dicky he has this show called Dave. You've probably yeah. seen it. it's on FX. Uh, it's it's on Hulu. It basically, it's a show that kind of mimics his his life. It's sort of like the King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson, where it's sort of a, sh- a fictional, basically retelling of his life, and in, in you know with a few changes here or there. But I love the show. It's it's very it's funny. But what the thing that really gets me is a lot of the, so just for example, one episode follows the story of how like he just got signed by a label, uh, and he's about to put out like his first single. And this single is just absolutely horrible. And everyone's telling him that's terrible. And the label's telling him, like, you can't put this out. We're banning you from putting it out. He thought he had, like, total uh, creative freedom when he signed with this label. His best friend is his manager. And they just get into, like, a two, three-minute, like, shouting match, basically, of how you're not on my side. Like, you should be letting me put – it's my music. I can put out whatever I want. And the whole episode leads to the final scene where he goes on The Breakfast Club, which is a famous, like, uh, radio show every morning. And it's like comes down to is he going to play this song for them or isn't he? And it's just it's a good show that's funny, but it also has a lot like one episode, one scene like that every episode that kind of takes you out of the comedy element and just has like man, this is just like a really good show. So I that's my I what's it called to, again? Called Dave, which is his name. Okay, and it's about him becoming he's he, he's a he's a white guy and he's like he's he's sort of like a Macklemore type rapper, even though that's one of the jokes he says is how much he hates getting compared to him. But he's like sort of a joke rapper. Right. And so it's just kind of his whole story. And he's got a wild story of how he's kind of just became a rapper from basically being a comedian on YouTube. So what you should do, Ted, before starting watching Dave, your, I guess, extra homework is just going to go to YouTube yeah. and look up Lil Dicky. And watch some of watch some of his music videos, and that'll kind of give you that'll give you like a background on who this guy is. And like Jared said, he's kind of a joke rapper, but he's actually like pretty talented too. Huh. And and that'll probably actually make you want to watch Dave 
because the dude's rap and the music videos are pretty funny. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out. Good. Just good be careful there, when Jared. you're, when you're Googling little Dicky, just, you know, be careful. <laughs> I'll leave that at where it's at. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up the show, boys, do you, each of you guys, do you have anything you want to add? I was going to throw out, I'm watching a thing. I'm watching a show right now too. Um, my, my wife started it. It's on Netflix. And so I started watching it with her and I actually enjoy it a lot. Jared, this would definitely be something maybe to watch with uh, your girlfriend, Ted. I don't know if your wife would be into it, but mm-hmm. it's called Bridgerton on Netflix it's a new show. It came out last year. There's only one season, but um, it's kind of like uh, it's almost like I hate to even compare it to this. It's almost like keeping up with the Kardashians, but like set in England, like 1800s England. So you get that really cool, like historical aspect. And then there's like it, it's centered around a family, the Bridgertons drama and, you know, stuff like that, trying to find husbands for the all the daughters and and, you know, all that stuff. There's some there's some bourbon street type stuff that you can enjoy too. If I put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, and you know, so that would be one, like, you know, if you're looking for something, Jared, you said you're running mm-hmm. out of some stuff. Bridgerton on Netflix is it's a, it's very entertaining. It's a good watch. I, I think I've saw, I've seen some reviews on it and I think it's, it's pretty highly acclaimed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, if you're looking for something, I would definitely check it out. All right. Well, you know, speaking of the history, uh, I got to throw this out there. You know, no matter what your political leanings are, I got to say Joe Biden has some big balls as he finally has acknowledged the Armenian genocide. And uh, that kind of hits close to home because Jared and I both have some Armenian blood running in our veins. Our grandfather, my grandfather, his great grandfather escaped from the genocide back in the uh, like 1917, 1915 in that range. So. Uh, no president, Republican or Democrat, all the way to this time has came out and acknowledged it because of political reasons with Turkey. So no matter what you feel about Joe Biden, I, I, I got to give him credit. You know, he stepped up and uh, he, he did it like a man. So good job, Biden, on that one. I'll, I'll end it with there. I didn't even know that was a thing. So who would that be have a problem with, I guess? You're kind of the history guy on today's show. Yeah. Why would somebody be anti that? Who does that because even? because Turkey is one of our big uh, allies as far as financial dealings. Like I said, there's political things that you know it's beyond me. I don't know all the dealings that we have with Turkey, but it's a they're an ally of ours. Let's just put it that way. And they have always denied the fact that it was a genocide. They said the Armenians and Turkey were at war, but that's complete nonsense. It was they just killed women, children, families. It's just the way it was. So, you know, no American president and no uh, you know politicians here really wanted to step up and make that acknowledgement. You know, it's just like uh, trying to deny what happened with Germany and the Nazis and the, and the Jews, you know, it, it's, it's right. basically was the same kind of thing, but it's, it's never really been publicized that much, but uh, Joe Biden came to the forefront. And uh, like I said, I give him credit, no matter what the ramifications come from it. Uh, if, he, he stepped up and made it acknowledged. If so Trump would have said that, would you have been as much in support as you are Biden saying that? I, I would have given, given Trump a hundred percent credit for it. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Fair enough. It's definitely definitely a big step, and it's always crazy to me to think about this stuff where, like, history is revised because of political reasons. Like, I know it, it happens a lot, obviously, but one thing, like you mentioned, like, the Holocaust and, you know, there's other things. Or even, like, 
the whole Thanksgiving story. And, you know, like Christopher Columbus coming over here to discover America when there was already people here and stuff like that. It's just crazy how like history is taught through the years, almost to an extent where it like changes the actual like factual history of whatever story it is or whatever event it is. So it is cool to see Biden come out and actually maybe tell the true story. So maybe the truth does come out. So yeah, that, that is a big deal. Well, hey, it, Jared, are you sitting? Because I'll give you another little history lesson here as we kind of wrap up the show and come full circle. All right. You know, oh, I'm, I couldn't, I'm listening. All right. I couldn't help but think about this. Uh, you know, as I said, we were down at Shiloh and at the battlefield and there was some historical signs saying historic river of, of tears or a trail of tears is what it was. And I asked my wife, I said, what's trail of tears? And she Googled it. That's oh, the great right. thing nowadays with the internet. So trail of tears was when the United States forced the American Indians to leave their land and head West, you know, and I thought more about it, you know, as great a country as this is, boy, I'm really on my soapbox here as we wrap this up, you know, we, we, we dealt with slavery. We're still dealing with that whole scenario here as a country, you know, with, with racism and, and, you know, the, the, the battles between whites and blacks. And it's just, it all came from slavery. And then we always forget about the, the native American and the Indians that we forced out of their land. So as great of a country as we have here, just think of the atrocities that it took to get to this point. It's just un- unbelievable. Well, the one thing I will say is you go through history. I mean, that's just what people did. Every single part of this uh, world, there's been like a war fought on it at one point. So it's like I, I do 100% understand it, and you're right. We do sweep it under the rug. We act like we're like this perfect uh, country. But I guess what I will say is just that that's just how things were. It was the Wild West back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, just overseas, everywhere, there was wars going on. Everyone did something wrong. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Man, this is a, we, we should do a historical podcast sometime. This yeah. would be really interesting. But the thing I always think about, and kind of what I, I talked about just a few minutes ago, is, is kind of what you just said, Jared. Like, acting, the people who act like America is, like, perfect, still the greatest nation, built on freedom, and, you know, all this other stuff. You go on and on. And it is kind of like what you're talking about, Ted. When you really look back at how like this America that we're talking about was founded. It's actually not, it's, it's not very good. It's, it's pretty ugly actually. So, you know, that, that's like the issue I have with some of that stuff. When you talk about history is Mm -hmm. how like the, you know, like revisionist history, if you want to say it like that. And, you know, if you want to tell the true story of some of this stuff, it's not going to be all uh, butterflies and rainbows like like some people want to make it out to me. (laughs) Well, you're right about that. Lana, my wife asked me, she says, why, why, why do men, why, why do people do this? You know, the stuff we're talking about. And I, I really didn't have a really good answer, but the only thing I could think of, I guess it kind of goes back to the caveman, right? I mean, survival of the fittest, you know, the stronger caveman hit the other one over the head and he took over his territory. And it's kind of continued on generation after generation. I mean, yeah, and it even it happens in the animal kingdom too. You know, the like you said, survival of the fittest happens with lions and birds and you know whatever animals too so it doesn't just it's not just humans it's just just a shame at like it it, i don't know like how how ugly it can get sometimes i mean even when you think about like the civil war in this country and stuff like that you know that, that stuff it's just it's pretty gruesome and you know you just it's a shame like you said that we're still kind of dealing with a lot of that stuff that we were hoping to figure out you know yeah well i guess we're ending on a somber note fellas unless you got something to pick it up with 
Well, I was yeah, I was gonna say let's let's end on maybe a little bit of a high note with Good. with friend friend of the podcast down there, Craig. Thanks for thanks for hanging with us, Craig, and listening. He said, I, I feel like I had heard about this. Maybe I saw someone post on Facebook or something, but he said there's a cartoon on Disney Plus called Big City Greens, and the creators are from St. John's, Michigan, and the yeah. show is based in St. John's. I feel like maybe I've heard about that, um, but I haven't watched it. So, Craig, sounds like you know, you've know you watched it. It's probably a good show. Uh, maybe Maybe something to check out, especially with the St. John's background. Big City Greens. Must be about uh, the mint industry, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, or farming. I don't, or this farming. guy, wow, I'm going to check that out. I'm, I'm gonna be, I, this first time I've heard about that is just now. So what a we? if you guys could think of, like, a town that you could see, like, how is this town not have, a like, a movie about it? For one, I almost look at Owasso because it's, like, guys like Ted, who all literally all they would do for fun is just drive around. So could have been quite a story about Owasso uh, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I remember even even when back in back my day when when we got our uh, our licenses that you would cruise the pits. I mean, you would like cruise the pits. Yeah, you'd go to the movies or we'd go hit up Taco Bell. Like you do like this simple stuff, and then yeah, you would just drive around. To be honest, I thought Big City Greens or whatever that show was called. Uh, yeah, Big City Greens. I thought it'd be about the marijuana industry, but apparently not. Mm. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to get in my car and cruise wherever I'm at here tonight, boys. I do want to throw this out real quick before we end. You know, I don't know if you saw the news. You know who Steve McMichael is, former uh, Bears lineman. Um, and also he, he was a professional wrestler with the four horsemen. Well, he was just diagnosed with ALS. Doesn't look good for him. And, you know, it's a, it, it, that's a charity that's near and dear to my heart is my best buddy died of ALS. And there's still no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease. And, you know, we really got to keep that out in the public awareness. I'm not sure what else we can do, but they got to figure out a cure for that. The more people talk about it, the more money that gets put into the, uh, you know, the ALS fund where they can do research. Maybe we can end that disease because I can tell you guys, you know, we all we all have lost family members to cancer. And I think with cancer, at least you got a you got a shot to survive. You know what I'm talking about? With ALS, yeah. there's no cure you get it, you're, you're pretty much toast. And, you know, and it's, it's, just, it's just one of the most horrendous diseases there is out there. So hopefully we can find a cure for it someday. That's yep. my hope. All right, well, fellas, uh, we did it. Locker Room Three-Point Podcast. We'll call it a wrap. An interesting show. A lot of different stuff we talked about <laughs> tonight. <laughs> we'll be back to normal sports, I think, next week. But uh, we want to tell you, just remember, follow us at Three-Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in. And also, uh, definitely check us out on Locker Room. Tell us a little bit more about that, Matt, so uh, we get some more followers, maybe. Yeah, so we, like, like you said, tonight we're recording this one on the Locker Room app. It's free to download, free to sign up. It's really cool. There's a lot of stuff you can check out on here, sports, movies, uh, entertainment, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, you can hop on. You can be like our friend Craig and just hang back and listen, hop in the chat room and throw some stuff out. Or if you want to hop up and talk, you can come up and chime in and talk too. So it's a really cool chance to kind of interact with us as we're recording a podcast. So we'll probably be doing this more, I would think, in the future. I would think so, too. And uh, Craig, I would think, since he is one of our biggest fans, even though he participated listening to us record this live, I think he'll listen to it once it's downloaded on our podcast sites, too, right? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Amen. All right, again, I want to thank our – oh, one final thing. i got to take care of business for my brother, okay? The Corona Schools, they have a they have a bond coming up here next week, I believe, a big vote 
And, uh, you know, they got some upgrades, and this is one of those rare opportunities where if you vote yes, you're not really going to see much of an increase at all out of your paycheck. It's one of those rare things where they've already had millage in place. I can't go into all the details. But uh, if you get a chance to vote, vote for the yes on Corona Public Schools. I hope John appreciates that there, giving him a free plug as we all went to Corona, right? It's great to be gold. It's great to be gold. And that one of the things they want to do is put uh, turf down on the Nick. I think that'd be a very, very cool thing. That would be cool. All right. I want to thank our sponsors, Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection. As I mentioned, the Corona Public Schools, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Home, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.